I was really proud and I'm still very proud to this day, you know, of that moment that we were able to, you know, to win that you know, tournament for them because well, those are the type of guys, you know, they were, you know, they put a lot of time into us. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is Alex Terrapelli, Associate Head Coach at American University. Before that, he was at Stanford. And as a wrestler, Alex was a two-time All-American for the Fighting Illini and a three-time California State Champ. Love this episode. It was awesome to hear about Alex's time at Illinois where the Fighting Illini won a Big Ten title. Brought back some good memories. Hope you enjoy this episode. Fan of the Week goes to our friend Kyle Berzak, a new resident of Peoria IL. Thanks for listening to the show, Kyle. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. This episode's brought to you by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat is now accepting team orders for this upcoming wrestling season. Get custom singlets, warm-ups, t-shirts, and sweats at SpartanCombat.com. That's Spartan Combat for your custom team apparel order. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great Alex Terrapelli. Alex Terrapelli, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We just got done watching World Championships. I know you were at the Elite Eight Duels last week. Give us your thoughts on the last couple of weeks of wrestling, maybe starting with the Worlds. Man, it's just f- phenomenal wrestling. I mean, it's a, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, and I say that uh, not just about the level of wrestling, but uh, the access, you know, with technology. And, you know, I mean, I remember a time when, we weren't able to watch the world championships as they were happening because you know there was just no no opportunity to so i feel like uh people that are coming into the, the sport now you know maybe maybe don't appreciate that as much as maybe they should <laughs> yeah like when you were in college were you guys getting tapes of the worlds like tape delayed you know after the fact you know productions you know like and maybe like you know like the metal matches or something like like i mean just a snippet i mean i remember just speaking of Adam, I remember when he was wrestling in NCAA finals and it was like same day, like tape delayed, like partial coverage of the finals. And like, that was <laughs> like the NCAA championships. And now you can literally watch, you know, every match of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good point. Like, even if you did get a tape of like 
the world championships or the NCAs. It was only the finals, let alone like the quarters, the semis, like all the good stuff early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, and and well after the fact, well after you knew kind of what had happened and talked about it at length, you know, before you got to see it. Yeah. Now, when Adam won, were you there or were you watching from I California? Was. No, I was there. I I got uh, had was fortunate enough to go the last that Adam's last two years. Uh, I was I was let's see I was early high school, and he was getting into into college. And you no, know, my my I was not not invited. Uh, the the first part, uh, his freshman year, his sophomore year, uh, but by his junior year, I I got the invite from my parents. They said, okay, you can come. So that was good. What kind of impact did that have on you? Uh, you know, I had grown up, uh, Adam's about oh, five, almost between five and six years older than me. So I had really grown up kind of following his career from the stands. Right. I mean, my dad was a coach, right? he was wrestling. So it's like, obviously my mom and our siblings were at everything. So, you know, I had just kind of grown up like watching Adam, like win. like, I remember in high school, like when he lost, it was like, so like surprising, you know, it was like, so like, what, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, he's not supposed to lose. Like, I mean, he always wins. Like, so I don't know. I had, I feel like I had a different, uh, a different image, you know, of Adam as a wrestler, just, just being younger, you know, and not understanding, you know, what it takes, you know, at that level and, you know, what, you know, how, how hard it is to be that, you know, consistent. Yeah. That Tony Davis match when he was a junior was crazy. Like a couple scrambles in there, a couple like off the mat things like, that was a that was a wild one, and then for him yeah. to get back the next year, man, what kind of nerves did you have watching the finals match? Um, you know, I never really got overly nervous watching Adam wrestler wrestle. Um, my younger brother watching Troy wrestle, I would get nervous for, and I think a lot of that was because you know I was older, like and understood more, and like and I didn't watch him just like growing up, like just win all the time, right? So it's like. I mean, it's just a little bit different. Um, so my mm-hmm. older brother, like I was always pretty calm, you know, excited. I mean, definitely, you know, excited for him, but like, I was never like worried, like when I was watching him wrestle, I, I don't know why, just, I mean, the age I was, you know, when he was coming through competing, I guess. And how much older are you than Troy? We're about two and a half years apart. So uh, I actually have four kids in my family. Uh, we have a sister between uh, me and my older brother, uh, Brooke, and we're all about two and a half to three years apart. Got it. So you and Troy were on some high school teams together then? We did. We had a one-year crossover. So I was a senior in high school and he was a freshman in high school. Um, And then we're fortunate enough to be on the team a couple of years uh, in college. Uh, Only one year he was competing, the other year he was redshirting. Yeah. And then so when was the first time you met Mark Johnson? I met Mark, uh, I mean, definitely through Adam's like recruiting process um, for sure. And I'm trying to remember if Maybe the first time was in our living room. I'm trying to think if we if we saw him at a tournament before that. I definitely remember meeting uh, in our living room for the first time. I think that was probably the first time. Tell us about that experience. Coach Johnson's legendary. You know, I'm based in Chicago, so here in Illinois, he's like a he's like a godlike figure. He's the man. He's the man for sure. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> um, you know, I was so much like I said. I'm you know five. I, almost six and five and a half years younger than Adam. So when Adam was going through like his college recruiting process, I mean, I was like, you know, like 12 years old, you know? So it was like, it was so far removed that like, you know, I didn't even really know like what was going on. Like, you know, that he was like looking at schools and like, 
you know, that that was like, you know, that just even knew that that process existed. Mm -hmm. um, all I remember is, yeah, you know, we had some people come, you know, to the house, you know, and they were always, you know, dressed very nice, right? You know, they come in with the suit and they come in and sit down, you know, and talk. And usually we weren't even involved, you know, when they're talking so much, we were more so just like, say hello, you know, me and my younger brother, just, you know, introduce, you know, maybe a few minutes and then we're off doing our own thing. So, mm -hmm. um, but I remember Mark coming to our house um, and obviously got to know him, you know, very well you know, with Adam there um, during his, you know, college years, during his competitive career. And then, you know, as well as, you know, mine and my younger brothers as well. And were you considering going to anywhere else besides Illinois? You know, people always ask me um, like about like my college decision and stuff. And because Adam was there while I was like coming up to like on that process, like it just made it really easy for me to get to know Mark, um, Jim Haverman, you know, and their staff. And uh, yeah, we just got to know them and the guys on the team, you know, really well while Adam was competing in his first few years um, before, you know, I had to make a decision and, we just really like those guys. Um, just got a sense that like they just you know treat people really well. Um, like I said, my my dad's a you know teacher coach, and you know they have very very similar philosophies as far as like hey you know there's there's a right and a wrong way like to treat people right. It doesn't matter you know if you're the the best guy on the team or the worst guy on the team like you're treated with you know the same level of respect right. And you're held to like a you know a similar standard too right. Like there's a minimum level of commitment to be on the team right. That's what makes it cool is because, you know, as long as you, as long as you meet that commitment, like, you know, you feel valued, right. And you feel like you're an important member of the team, as opposed to like, well, there's a lot of, you know, know a lot, but it's certainly some, you know, programs, teams where, Hey, it's, you know, it's very clear. Hey, there's, these are our, you know, 12 to, you know, 15 guys that we think can score us points in the NCAA tournament. And they're really all that matters, you know, and the other guys are just kind of, they're just there, right. They're just a byproduct where Mark, Mark was never that guy. Um, treat all, all of my experiences all my interactions with him was you know he treated he treated everyone you know like they had they brought value and that those were very illinois heavy teams back then like outside of like jane and i and you i mean it might have been all illinois guys yes yes predominantly illinois um most of them from the chicago area I learned that right away when i went to school and you're know, asking people you know meeting people like oh hey where are you from type of stuff and they'd say somewhere and i hadn't heard of it and it's like is that a suburb of chicago and they'd be like yeah it's a good thing <laughs> so i figured that out that real quick that everybody was from the uh, chicago suburbs and don't claim that you're gonna that you're from chicago if you're not actually from the city of chicago because that really irritates people that are from chicago. <laughs> i learned that right people, away too people skin you for that up here it's crazy uh, um, so you get in there and, and like, who are you rooming with your first year at Illinois? Uh, I was freshman roommates with Kyle. Ott. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were both out of state guys, you know, coming in, um, obviously he was Ohio, you know, fantastic wrestler coming out of high school, a little bit closer, you know, a little more regionally, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we roomed together freshman year. Was it hard to redshirt after being like the guy in high school all those years and like kind of take a step back? It was hard in the sense that like, you know, you were just used to competing, you know, and when it got to like the, the competitive season, you know, it's just, you know, we, we wrestled some, you know, we had a handful of open tournaments, but like it was really few and far between, you know, and, and most of those were happened like early on. I mean, by the, by December, you know, like you're pretty much done. January came around you were pretty much done wrestling, you know? And then um, also like uh, the norm was just that like, you know, Hey, the, the, you know, the starter, right. Quote unquote starter guy that was the guy, like he wrestled unless like, essentially like he couldn't right <laughs> at 80 percent, like he's wrestling you know he's only wrestling if we feel like he can't wrestle 
So really hard for one, the red shirts, but then, you know, guys too, that are trying to break into the lineup, you know, you know, second string, you know, third string guys. And we just, just didn't get a lot of wrestling opportunities back then. Um, as far as red shirting though, for me, um, I was a late bloomer, like physically. I mean, I would wrestled 142 pounds a senior in high school and was like five, 10 and a half. So like, oh, like being pole, like, I mean, just, you know, not physically developed. I mean, they recruited me. They told me I was going to wrestle 157 and, you know, as a 17 year old kid, like, like the kids I've talked to now, it's like, I'm you're crazy. Like, you know, 157, like I've never weighed hundred more, more than 145, like that's 17 pounds heavier than I've ever been. But lo and behold, so they, uh, they knew what they were talking about. I got to school and started to develop and you know, get stronger. And I wrestled 157 all five years, including my red shirt year. Was that a hard pull? No, not at all. Not at all. Like that's I, nice. training hard, like, uh, like really hard, like training. Like we had a really hard day. Like I would be close to weight, like pretty much on weight coming out of practice. Like I've never cut like a, a ton of weight. And what kind of lifting program did they have you on back then? <laughs> a lot of lifting. Coach Johnson was big on lifting. Um, as you, I'm sure you can tell, uh, he's a sizable guy. Um, he was, he really valued, uh, strength training, um, being strong, you know, felt like, you know, one certainly can give you like a performance advantage, but, uh, health too, you know, the, the stronger you are, right. The more, you know, your body can resist, you know, from a training perspective, but also, you know, from a compromising, you know, position uh, perspective. So we lifted, I mean, at minimum three times a week, like year round, like that was, you know, automatic, you know, even in February. Yeah. Even in February, we're getting three lifts in. I mean, maybe like, you know, week of the, you know, big tens, you know, we couldn't see it. It's like, it was, it was pretty much, I mean, you lifted and that was really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know those, uh, you know, coach Johnson, that picture of him in the 1980 Olympics, like it's, he's, le- it's, I think it's like right before that, but he's legendary in that picture and he's just jacked <laughs> and, uh, you know, he all those, uh, dude. yeah. All those Illinois guys talk about the weight program. And, uh, and the reason I was asking you is because to your point, like at 157, you look pretty lean. And like, I didn't know if you were, all in on the weight program or if you were one of the more wrestling junkie guys, or did you like getting in there and pumping some iron? No, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I was the guy who just like naturally like love the weight room. Like I've been around people that just, you know, just love the weight room, right? Like they love the culture, love the, you know, the lifestyle. Um, I would say for most of the stuff that I did outside of wrestling, it was like means to an end, right? Like I understand this is important, you know, to do what I want to do in wrestling. And so like, I'm going to value it and take it very seriously. And that, I mean, applied to, you know, lifting that applied to running. I mean, like pretty much any, you know, non-wrestling activity. Yeah. But I certainly needed it coming into college. (laughs) Well, like when you were back in high school, you know, legendary career, three-time state champ. And what was your routine? Like, were you just doing the 3 p.m. practice or did your dad have you on two days basically all the way through? No, we mainly was one practice now. This is a long time ago. I mean, I graduated high school in 2001. So certainly things, you know, have changed. Um, but generally speaking in the season, I mean, I just had my wrestling practice and then I would r- run home. We lived about three and a half to, you know, between three and a half and like four miles uh, from the school. And I would run home two, three nights a week, you know, and that was just really kind of extra cardio. Um, we didn't, uh, we didn't lift much like during the season. I and mean, we did, you know, like wrestling exercises, that type of stuff, but like weight room lifting um had pe like lifting class you know where i could get you know 45 minutes and you no know, work but it was more like you know circuit type lifting um i would say at illinois like we did more traditional like you know weight room like strength training i mean where you're in there i mean and it's a solid you know hour 15 
you know, and like you're busting your butt the whole time. Right. And you got you know, a strength coach there and we were fortunate to have you know, some really good strength coaches over the years and, uh, you know, taking you, taking you through, you know, making yeah. sure that you're getting the most out of it. And when you're going through the preseason and I'm just curious, like back, back in that area, early, era early 2000s what did the preseason look like and how has it changed to what you're doing now with your guys at american at the college level um preseason wise i would say you know i would say it hasn't changed too drastically um a lot of running and lifting um we weren't on the match the mats very much you know particularly early on we started school usually like the third week in august um i think guys i think people have started to get on the mats earlier um, and I think the challenge there is kind of, you know, holding the reins on guys and not, you know, resisting the urge, like to jump, like, right to like live wrestling. Right. Um, one, excuse me, from like a health perspective, right. College season is a grind and you want to, you know, you want to stay healthy you know, durability is a big part of our sport. Um, but two, also, I think for, you know, young guys coming in, um, it can, uh, you want to avoid like trying to establish them like a, like a pecking order like too early on, right? Because that can stifle a young guy's development, you know, particularly guys that are on the fence for like, you know, red shirting or not, man, if they come in, you know, and, and get on the mats and are wrestling live and, in, in, you know, early September, I mean, odds are like, I mean, they're getting their butt kicked a little bit, right. And mm -hmm. they're taking it on the chin. And then what can happen is, you know, right away, they just fall into that, like, well, I'm going to red shirt. And that typically doesn't bode for like a, a really productive red shirt year, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I never thought about it that way. Is that something where when you were coming in early on, you got a couple of whoopings as well, or were you pretty, pretty oh, solid yeah. coming in? Oh yeah. I could, I could compete because I could wrestle on the mat pretty well. Mm -hmm. Like I was pretty good at getting away and I could like hang on to guys. Right. You know, just, you know, not necessarily really like beat them up or turn or anything, but like, just stay on, you know, and rodeo ride, right? Like riding a rodeo. Um, but no, we 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 took beatings. I mean, we had we had a pretty good freshman class. I mean, myself, uh, Kyle Ott, you know, multiple time champion at Ohio. Got Cal Ferry, an Illinois guy, multiple time you know, mm -hmm. state champion there. And I remember walking back to the the dorms. I mean, after practice, you know, early on in the fall, and you know, counting how many takedowns we got, you know, collectively on one hand. It's like, oh, did you get one today? Ah, no, I didn't get one today, man. I got one. Ah, oh, congrats, man. That's, that's awesome. You know, like, and it's, you know, it's just a different level. Yeah. Who were some of those guys who were, you were rolling with early in your career? The older guys on the team that were kicking my butt. Uh, Griff Powell was there. Uh, he's an NCL American 57. Uh, Matt Lackey, obviously, was there. He's a year ahead of me. Um, three Tamil American national champion. Uh, I'm trying to think of other guys like around my size. Uh, way back when. Uh, Mike Castillo, NCAA qualifier. Uh, Ryan Berger, NCAA qualifier. You know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, we were coming into the, you know, the Jordan Burroughs or the Kale Sanderson or something like this guy that's just like revolutionized like the sport type of thing. It's just, you know, it's just a different level. These yeah. guys have been in college, you know, a couple of years and, you know, they know what it takes and it's just a different, you know, training intensity. Yeah. No, Lackey is from the same hometown area where I'm from and he was a, a is, and you know, was a legend, but mm -hmm. that guy had a really uh, kind of athletic, unique feel. What do you remember from putting your hands on him? Uh, yeah. Very, very shifty, very shifty. Like he could, uh, he could change speeds, you know, change directions, you know, really quickly. Um, deceptively good athlete. Uh, and one of the, I mean, maybe the best, but like certainly one of the best, if not the best, like uh competitor that like I've been around, like in like a, a personal sense. Right. 
guys know that guy. Like, I mean, the more lights that were on, the more butts that were in the seats, like the better he would compete. Mm-hmm. Which was it was a blessing and a curse because like when when uh, when the stakes were high, like he'd be awesome, you know. That's the guy you want out there. But if you wrestled like you know someone that like wasn't overly competitive and no one was really there and the energy wasn't there, like he tended to have like a lower level performance in in those situations because <laughs> he was he's a gamer. I mean, he, yeah. he he loved to compete. Yeah, no, he was uh that foot sweep. Everyone knows him for that. But man, he was he was doing stuff like that for a long time. And uh, yeah, really. Really amazing career. And so you when you first got into the lineup as a redshirt freshman, you went through the Big Tens. I think you got seventh at the Big Tens and then had an incredible NCAA tournament. We're going to talk about that. But like, what was like your first first uh, Big Ten season like for you, like January and February as a freshman? Um, I had a pretty good sense of what I was getting into, um, mainly because, you know, I followed my, my older brother. You know, by that point, you know, kind of seeing kind of who they wrestled, you know, how long the season was. I mean, it's different than experiencing it firsthand for sure. But I wouldn't say I had um, what you may see some days, you know, uh, nowadays, like with some freshmen, like where it's like your first college season. It's like, and it's long. I mean, it's a lot longer than a high school season. Um, all of your matches are more competitive. You know, it's not like you go to a tournament and pin three guys and they wrestle someone, you know, worth a darn. It's like, no, like every match, like, you know, it's like, the guy's respectable. Like if you don't like come and compete, like you're going to get beat. And so a lot of freshmen nowadays and can get sucked into that, you know, and can have a hard time, you know, come that, you know, January and February there, they're like ready for the season to be over. Um, I didn't feel like I, I fell into that uh, too much. Um, we just, just wrestled some good guys, um, you know, beat, beat some of them like during the season. And then I got to the big tournament, uh, big 10 tournament. And I lost a close match. Uh, at least two. I think it was Ryan Bertine that year. Um, lost him in the backside, um, and then lost another like match, like in, in like a uh, double double overtime situation. You know, so I'm going to the Big Ten tournament thinking like, okay, I have a shot to win the tournament. You know, that's my expectation. I'm gonna try to win the tournament. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm wrestling, you know, to go to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because two weeks later, you knock off the defending champ in the quarters. Like, man, that and that Friday morning round is so special. Like that place must have been going berserk when that match happened could, could you hear everything going on or were you pretty much locked in as that thing was going not during the match you know afterwards after like i feel like you know when you're in the moment you're like and you're in the match like you're focused on what you're doing and i don't hear a ton i mean i can you know make out like my coaches you know typically you know particularly like when you go out of bounds and that type of stuff like then you're looking like you know in case there's something you need to know or be aware of um but you don't hear too much of like the the crowd or the atmosphere like during the match because you yeah you're just kind of in the moment right you're focused mm-hmm. on what you're doing uh, immediately after the match it was it was a cool feeling a uh, cool experience for sure and um had you wrestled becker that year before that match we hadn't no we hadn't wrestled that year um we oh, wow. didn't duel minnesota um the big 10 doesn't wrestle everybody every year um and i hadn't wrestled him i didn't wrestle him in the big 10 tournament so yeah no that was actually the first time we, we wrestled Got it. Yeah, he's a. Uh, it's funny. I'm getting ready for another interview, and he, uh, who was it? Um, just had the person on, but he had beaten the guy in the finals. But yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, so that era is so fun to look back on. And if you look at Bertine, like he was, he was awesome to watch. And I know you guys had a, a several match series. I mean, how many times do you think you guys wrestled over the years? I want to say I'd have to go back and actually like think really hard, but I think we wrestled eight times. And I think we 
split four and four. Unfortunately, he he won he won a, a NCAA tournament every time. Right. <laughs> he got me from the uh, in the finals and uh and he got me third and fourth. And you beat him at the Big Tens in the finals twice, right? I beat in the Big Tens a couple of years, yeah. Yeah. And the guy I couldn't think of was Brian Snyder. So apologies, but uh, Brian Snyder lost to Becker in the finals. Uh, you know, that's, that's a very story. Yeah. Year prior. Yeah. So, so after your, after your Illinois career, did you consider like, going into coaching right away? Or were you still kind of trying to figure out your career trajectory? I didn't really seriously start to think about coaching in college until about the spring of my junior year at Illinois. Um, you know, coming in like uh, you know, most kids I talked to, you know, today, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I was a good student. I mean, I, I took school seriously. I mean, I come to my parents and they say, "Hey, you're going to do well in school." So I'm just like, "Okay, I guess yeah. I'm going to do well in school." And um, but like, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Like I said, my my dad was a teacher and coach. Uh, my mom worked as administrative assistant uh, for a law firm. Um, but about my yeah, spring of my junior year, I started thinking like, ah, you know, maybe I want to want to try doing this. Like, and you know. If it doesn't work out, like I, I was doing, I was in the business school at Illinois. I was studying accounting, so I felt like you know I have you know I'll have a good fallback. Like if it's not what I think it is and I don't enjoy it, like I'll be able to you know get another job and you know provide for my family, right? That's that's really what it was about. Um, but yeah, you know, I started doing it. Um, I actually graduated, and uh, uh, Mark Johnson asked me if I would be interested uh, in helping out in uh, academic services at the athletic department. So I was actually a graduate assistant, and I worked in academic services a year out of college. And then um, the following year, our academic counselor that worked with wrestling and some other sports as well, actually took another job and left. And uh, Coach Johnson came to me again and said, hey, and, you know, we'd be interested in doing this, you know, for a year or two, you know, because my younger brother was there at the time. So I was yeah. expecting that I would stay until, you know, he graduated. And, and you're said, still yeah, like wrestling and coaching during this time? Not wrestling, like, uh, like competing. Right. Um, but like but wrestling like, in the room. But able to be in the room. Yeah. You know, with the end of the alumni exception, I mean, I would get all my work done and, you know, head out, yeah, but start a practice and head over and you know, wrestle with the guys. You know, like I said, my younger brother was still on the team at the time. And obviously, you know, knew, knew all the guys and had relationships there. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually, the first two years out of school, I was actually working in the academic services at the athletic department uh, in at Illinois and then didn't start coaching until I started at UC Davis, uh, my third year out of school. And what about your junior year when you thought about that, about coaching kind of triggered for you? Do you remember like what caused it or what was the turning point there to get you thinking about it? Um, I had obviously growing up around it. Uh, my dad, like I said, was a you know, teacher coach. And I grew up in the wrestling room even before you know, I actually started participating in practice and stuff. Um, and I just, I just always liked it. I mean, I always you know, like helping people, you know, helping, you know, people get better, you know, at the sport, you know, and just felt that it was very rewarding. I saw, you know, what my dad was doing and, you know, how kids, you know, reacted to that and how it made them feel. And, you know, I think that was a big part of this idea. Hey, I'd like to make people feel like that. Like that seems like a pretty cool thing. You know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just got, I had that. I mean, that, you know, even as far back as high school, you know, I had his teammates in high school that jokingly used to call me coach, Ale coach Alex, you know, <laughs> because, yeah, I enjoyed helping people. Yeah. And when you think about, you know, your career in coaching, you've had, you've been at UC Davis, Stanford, Penn, Stanford, now American. What, what's it been like kind of getting, getting things rebooted and restarted at American in your, in your first year there uh, with coach Borelli or over yeah. your first year now? It's been good. Yeah. We're going into our second year. 
Um, obviously, I, mean, I always tell people like you want you want to be further than you know along than you are, right? Because you're competitive, right? You're always right. Like, well, how can we get further, right? How can we further? You know, you're like, oh, we got to do more. We got to do more. Um, but as far as like the environment, you know, and uh, what we have like behind us, the support, like phenomenal. I mean, you know, we have I work with people that you know that that appreciate you know what I do, that you know that are happy, you know that I'm here, you know, and they're supportive. Hey, how can we help you? How can we, you know, we know you want to be better. We know you want, you know, want to compete and do this, that, and the other. So, you know, how can we help you? Or how can we assist you? Yeah. Um, we're fortunate enough. We have an, I mean, an athletic director that wrestled in college. I mean, even spent a couple of years coaching. Um, we've got strong, you know, alumni, donor, um, alum that sits on like the board of trustees. I mean, just, just a lot of the, you know, outside of you know directly in the program like support which is which is critical i mean it can it can lift you up and take you to heights you know you, you may have thought you, you know, couldn't reach or you know the other end of it you know you can be busting your butt your tail and you know you have people you know dragging you down yeah it's really yeah, i mean having the ad who's a former wrestling coach that's awesome that's huge wow huge what's his name uh it's dr billy walker Billy Walker. Awesome. That's a man. That's pretty cool. And have you worked with Joey dance before this post? I hadn't worked with Joey. You know, obviously, you know, followed his career, you know, knew, knew of him, you know, I mean, he's young enough. I mean, I remember watching him wrestle in high school, but certainly at, you know, Virginia tech and you know, being very, very successful there. Um, but I didn't know him like personally. Um, and when Jason took the job at American, he actually reached out, you know, and said, Hey, you know, congratulations. You know, I saw you got this job. Like, you know, if you're looking for people like, you know, I might be interested in that kind of thing. And um, once uh, uh, Jason talking it in to come with him, uh, we started talking about it. And obviously like, you know, most wrestling staff, you start thinking like, okay, you know, Jason wrestled down 25 and 33. I wrestled 57. Like we need to get like a bigger guy, right? We need to get a big guy, we need a big guy, right? That's the, you know, the, the trap people fall into, you know? So we started looking around and it became, you know, evident you know, very quickly that like, it's like, well, like I mean, we could hire like a big guy, but it's more important, like, get the right guy you know mm -hmm. and as we got to know joey more it's like this is the guy like he's like the right fit you know and uh and i'm so glad we did um because joey's been, been great he's a little uh ball of energy and, and he compliments uh, jason and i very well yeah i bet man he's uh I'm, like you said I remember watching him he was awesome and uh even in high school you know just lights out and so he came so i thought he was there before so he came on with you guys uh when mm -hmm. you got there okay yeah, Jason was hired. Oh, maybe like early May. I joined. I joined him officially. I think like mid July, and then uh, Joey came in early September. I think officially. Got it. And so you know, with the whole craziness of the Stanford thing, when did you like? So did you have another job, or like were you still in Palo Alto? Like, what walk us through kind of the timeline of Shane won it the one year, a lot of momentum. Second year comes around, and when do they announce they were going to bring it back and, and kind of where were you at with that whole process? Uh, we were kind of in limbo. So Shane won, uh, Shane won the national tournament. Um, we got back to campus, you know, we're still, uh, you know, fighting a good fight, you know, um, you know, pretty you know, steadfast, like, Hey, we're gonna get this program back. Like, you know, kind of nothing's changed. Um, Coach Borelli, I think like I said, was hired like early May. Um, I, I want to say he talked to us maybe like mid April, let us know that, you know, Hey, you know, I'm talking, you know, American, you know, it's a good chance, you know, I may you know, take another job. Um, uh, he just got to the point where, I mean, like he, you know, like you said, you know, that the support is so important. Right. And like, 
you know, he didn't feel like he could, he could work at Stanford anymore, you know, with the people that were still there. Right. Because it's like, how am I, you know, how am I going to do this? Right. I'm not, it's, you know, it's yeah. not going to be enjoyable on a daily basis. So, so he uh, started talking in America. They reached out to him. Uh, they reached out to him actually quite a bit earlier. I think they reached out to him um, earlier in the season and he told them, Hey, listen, I'm, you know, I'm committed to this. You know, I told, you know, our guys, our team, like we're committed to this, like we're going to see it through, you know, if you want to wait, you know, and talk to me like after the season, happy to have the conversation then, but like, you know, this is what I'm doing now. Um, and they were like, okay, Hey, no problem. Like, you know, we'll, we'll call you for the season. Right. Um, so he had so left oh, or made the decision to leave maybe like mid April. Um, and then coach Blake, uh, Ray Blake and I were there. Um, and really on like, like month to month, like contracts, um, administration, uh, kind of told us, Hey, you know, we're going to, you can stick around, you know, through like the end of the academic year. But, you know, at that point in their mind, I mean, like it was, they'd washed their hands of the decision. I mean, it was, it was, it was done. Right. I mean, no chance. Like, I mean, you know, this program is coming back. I mean, and that was kind of their stance, you know, from the get go from the time it was announced. So um, even in the spring, they're still thinking that there's no way it's going to get brought back. And so they basically tell you guys at the end of the school year, you're done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, they, let's see, we, we approached that. I'm trying to remember when I, uh, learn that we I mean asked that question earlier I mean obviously before you know we got back from the NCAA tournament like oh when are we done type of thing um, and I think they said uh, oh you know what no excuse me no our, our contracts ended like the month after so our contracts ended at the end of April you know and then yeah they extended them um, through the, the academic year uh, because yeah, I mean we had guys you know competing you know in the spring you know trying yeah. to make you know world teams you know U20s U23s and that type of stuff um, but like but yeah, no, like no guarantee, no, like um, what's next. Like, it's just kind of like, you know, yeah. But a blank picture, you know, kind of what's when, when this ends, it's like, well, you're on your own. You know, we've done our part and, you know, there's not gonna be a program here anymore and, you know, go figure it out. <laughs> so when did they announce officially it was back and locked in? Oh, I want to say May 18th, I think was the official announcement came out. So, I mean, two months two months removed from the NCAA tournament. Um, what was your reaction? I mean, obviously you're excited, but also you guys got to be, I'm just curious, like what were you feeling on the, when you heard about it coming back? Uh, I, I was, I mean, it certainly excited. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, we're, we're committed to it. I mean, you know, I, you know, me and my family, you know, we're going to have to move on, you know, if there's no job and that type of stuff, but like, as far as the fight and getting the program back, like, I mean, just always felt like, you know, that that was, you know, going to happen. And like, you know, we're just going to keep it up like until it did. So, but we're happy. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a tough 10 months. I mean, for sure. I mean, extremely difficult. I mean, I look back on it now and, and I appreciate, you know, the experiences we had because you know, built, you know, such, you know, deep relationships, you know, and, and so such memorable moments, you know, with the guys on the team, you know, and the staff and, you know, the alumni people were involved with the effort, uh, but it was hard. I mean, it was a really hard 10 months. So I think it was a little bit of a, uh, of release, you know, Kind of like, oh man, okay, like kind of we made it type of thing. But then I would say it was it was short lived. I mean, you know, that was just like a, you know, oh, so pumped it's back. But then uh Ray and I, I mean, like, you know, shifted gears. I mean, you know, within then you know, twelve hours, it's kinda of like, okay, like, hey, we gotta what's next? Like we gotta start, you know, we gotta get this program going. Like, you know, we hadn't been recruiting, obviously, you know, for a year because it's tough to call people up and tell them come to your program when the school is telling them there's not gonna be a program. <laughs> You know, so we started thinking about, you know, you know, getting the program, you know, back on the right track again and, you know, what we're going to need to do. So obviously we wanted to talk to the administration, you know, figure out, okay, hey, you know, the program's back. Like, 
what does that mean? You know, like, are we still welcome here? No, not like, you know, I'm trying to, yeah, just trying to think about, you know, tomorrow. I'm like, okay, how do we get things rolling again? Will they meet with you or no? Oh yeah. We met with them uh, very quickly. I mean, within, I was a few, within a few days for sure. Um, we have a meeting, uh, that bike director and, you know, uh, a couple other like kind of senior, you know, uh, administrative fellows. Um, and that had record- to be something <laughs> that had to be something here we are guys. <laughs> it was, it was, um, because I mean, yeah, our expectation was, you know, the whole time that like, you know, that we're going to be around and that like, you know, the program's not going anywhere, you know, whereas, like I said, I mean, they made a decision and it's like, you know, never look back. Like, it's like for sure these, you know, and so you can imagine, yeah, you know, the things people are willing to do and say, you know, and they, you know, don't think like, you know, those people are going to be around anymore. Um, I bet. But yeah, we met with them. Uh, they were cordial, you know, about it. Uh, basically said, hey, yeah, you know, we're going to open this up, you know, and, you know, we're going to look for, you know, a coach and you're welcome to apply. Um, but, you know, I mean, reading between the lines, uh, we we knew that we needed to get our resume updated and, and start looking <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> let's just just leave it at that <laughs> yeah and if you you know obviously you end up with coach Borelli again which it's awesome you guys are out there at american and you know the south yeah you know, i don't really consider dc the southeast but if i look at where it's at it, it, it is a little bit you know and so that that's really growing right now and uh, no wonder you're out at the elite eight duels that the cliff fretwell's putting on but if you had to look back uh and this is the last thing on the stanford piece because obviously this whole bringing it back is you guys raise so much money so i mean i can't imagine how much experience you have now in relationship building fundraising organization like really all of that was done through you guys why do you think stanford dropped the program to begin with if it wasn't a money thing mm, i mean i would only be speculating i mean i don't think anybody uh, will ever know like the real reason um aside from yeah i mean we just got to the point where like we pretty much proved you know that well it's not money i mean right i mean because yeah that's how we started combating the problem initially it was like okay like what's well, the cost thing you know, we started fundraising and got people, you know, involved and showed, hey, people care and they're willing to, you know, put the money where their mouth is. And yeah, it just got to a point where it became evident that like, well, you know, it's not a money thing. Um, you know, they told us, you know, we, we started really hitting, you know, big numbers, like we surpassed like $10 million, you know, which is like mm, pretty you know, sizable amount of money, you know, and we had meetings and, uh, and they basically just, t- they essentially just told us that like no amount of money, like we changed the decision, which is like, I mean, what the heck sense. does that even mean? It doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, like, like, I mean, what? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, a, you know, yeah. But so you guys raised, was it the, is it the, what was known as the largest endowment in wrestling at that time? We raised uh, early on. I mean, in a matter of like, man, I want to say, I'd have to go back. I mean, I'm just going off the top of my head. I have to yeah. check, check like timing of it. But when in a ma- matter of, you know, less than six months for sure, I think like maybe three, four months, maybe. Like we raised like twelve and a half million dollars, you know, in pledges. Um, it, but then actually, to tell you the truth, the funny thing is, like, we stopped. Like that—that that is our focus. Like that was our focus, and we were raising money. But then, like when we, you know, like I said, we had that meeting, and they were like, "Well, no amount of money." It's like, well, that made it very obvious that it's like, well, we're spinning our wheels here. Like we're not doing this anymore. Like, you know, obviously there's another issue, right? There's yeah. something else we have to address, and and so we started going, you know, other channels, you know, other avenues to figure out, like, well what's the issue then? Like, you know, you said, you know, it's pandemic and it's money and it's all this, that, and the other, but you know, if no amount of money will change the decision, well, then it seems like, you know, 
that might not be the case. So we're missing yeah, something we, here. Yeah, exactly. So we raised twelve and a half million dollars in pledges, but but that, like I said, we we then shifted our focus. Like I think we could have raised quite a bit more actually if yeah. we kept doing what we were doing. Well, and like knowing the tradition that Stanford has, when there's a crisis like that, it probably like ramps up your ability to build relationships with those guys just infinitely. So all of a sudden it's like, boom, you're going to talk to everyone. You raise 12 million, which it's like, the reason I bring it up is that it's just exciting that programs can do that if they mobilize. And like, I hate every time it comes down to this, it's like, well, if you were raised 12 million, maybe the program wouldn't have got dropped in the first place. So like maybe, and like not you guys specifically, I'm just talking wrestling programs. Like every time a wrestling program gets dropped, there's this rallying cause. How are we not doing it proactively with some of these programs that may be on the fence because the support's out there. Stanford, you never thought it was even an option because it's one of those bellwether programs. Um, you know, some of these smaller mid-major programs, I always think about that. I'm like, let's get on it proactively. Yeah, it's human nature, right? I mean, like when, you know, when something's, you know, not a concern, right? When it's not like top of mind, like, uh, like you said, like firestorm, you know, there's less you know, motivation uh, to do it, you know? And, and I, you know, for coaches, you know, just speaking on this side of the, the coin, I mean, like you're wearing a lot of different hats, right? And you, you're trying to do a lot of things at once, right? And it's like, hey, do I fundraise, you know, for the annual giving, right? That's, you know, operationally going to support my program. Do I, am I trying to endow, you know, coaching positions? Am I trying to endow, you know, operating, you know, budget, you know, am I, am I trying to, you know, endow like additional like scholarships, right? Maybe I'm only like, you know, so we can be more competitive. Like, am I, oh, do we need a new facility? Like there's, there's so many, re, um, or the reasons, RTC like, to raise money. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm RTC. I got to keep the RTC going. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, part of Jeez. being competitive. So, so there's all these, you know, um, organ efforts, right. Priorities, you know, that require fundraising that require resources, and you're constantly, you know, shifting, you know, to kind of make the picture fit, right? And, you know, this year or, the, you know, this, you know, two, three year span, it might be, you know, be hard to see. It might be, oh, I need another scholarship, you know, whereas, you know, okay, hey, now, you know, kind of have things, you know, I want, like, okay, we're going to try to endow a coaching, you know, position. Like, it's funny, yeah, because when people, a lot of times people outside the the world, you know, outside the bubble, when they hear this news, like, well, what was the coach doing? It's like, I can almost definitively say, the coach was busting his butt. Yeah. He was busting his butt doing something. And you can argue, you know, argue like, well, you know, the priority should have been different. You know, you can argue that till you're blue in the face. But I, yeah, I don't don't uh, agree with the insinuation that like, well, the coach was sitting around twiddling his thumbs, you know, and, and it's like, no, like, I mean, it's just there's a lot going on. You know, and there's a lot of hats you have to wear and you know, you're constantly juggling things. Well, when you break down the different expenses like you just did, like that, it's eye opening. And so, like, what does it mean to endow something? Does it mean like it pays for itself through interest or? Yeah. So you're getting a big enough principal that it's going to spin off, you know, enough interest that like you're only going to spend the interest, right? So the principal stays. So you don't touch the principal. Um, that's the example I think of is uh, I'm pretty sure, again, don't quote me on any of this, but I believe the Knitline Wrestling Club got like a $5 million endowment, right? That like, okay, hey, this is the principal, right? And then they use that, you know, um, interest off that, you know, donation, that contribution for operations, right, of the club. And I, I don't know that they use that for, you know, training, you know, competition expenses, you know, uh, paying, you know, housing, you know, food for like resident athletes, however they use it. But like, sure. then the, the idea is like, yeah, you leave the principal so that you, you always have the interest coming off. Got it. Okay. Now that makes sense. And yeah, you think about operational costs, coaches, scholarships, and then just, just the, you know, just 
just the budget alone to, to get, make things happen in the off season. It, it is amazing. Like how, how busy coaches are. It's like in a, every weekend, you know, I had a uh, coach Freyer on here recently and he w- took a three week, uh, three year break and was in sales. And most people think like salespeople are working a lot. He's like, I had every weekend off for the first time in my life. Whereas coaching, I mean, you can attest this, how many weekends a year are you gone? Like, how very much you have to, you know, I mean, you have to schedule it, right. You have to make yourself do it. You know, it's important. I mean, you definitely yeah. do need to get some time away, but it's just like, yeah, looking at the calendar, it's like, okay, when can I do it from a competitive standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, from, from all of it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's hard. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough balance. You have to really enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and, and coach Terry probably will sign off with this, but you know, I'd be remiss if I don't talk about this because as an Illinois person, this was an exciting day, big tens, 2005, the Illini bring home the trophy. I mean, that's first one since 1953. I mean, I know all year you guys had a, had a great team, but you know what memories do you have of that Big Ten tournament where you guys uh, brought it together and brought home the title? Oh, that was awesome. I mean, again, like it's all after the fact, but uh, just, you know, we just have a, it was a total team effort. Um, we had guys, you know, that wrestling for each other, um, guys wrestling, you know, above, you know, maybe their, you know, expectations, um, we had, had two champs, uh, my, myself and uh, uh, Pete Friedel was actually my roommate you know, for several years in college, uh, a teammate. Um, and it, for me, it was really rewarding um, because I felt like, you know, we accomplished it, you know, for, for Mark you know, and Jim, who had been there for a long time, you know, and heck, it's, you know, it's a competitive conference, right? And wrestling is really tough there. It is really hard you know, to win. And so, yeah, to do it in the first time, I think it was like, yeah, 52, 53 years or something like I was really proud and I'm still very proud to this day, you know, of that moment that we were able to, you know, to win that, you know, tournament for them because, you know, those are the type of guys, you know, they were, you know, they put a lot of time into us, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, anything we needed. I mean, you know, Coach Heffernan was the guy that was, you know, out in the middle of the night, you know, doing laundry, you know, so you had a, <laughs> you know, and a freshly clean, you know, singlet or, or, you know, weight cutting clothes or whatever, you know, just the, like the smallest like thing. So it was, it was definitely a, mem- a very memorable moment. For me. Yeah. And did you guys win the Midlands that year as a team as well? I believe we did win the Midlands that year. Um, won a, won it that year. There was a stretch where I think we ran, won it three years in a row. Who wow. might have won it my sophomore, junior, and senior year? Pretty sure. Wow. Yeah, and that's a that's a huge tournament for for Illinoisans. I mean, it used to be for everybody. It, you know, I hope it comes back and. Uh, the, the valor that it had because it was awesome back in the day when there was the post-collegiate guys in there with the uh, the college guys and I know you scrapped with Bono there one year when you were still in college so, like that kind of stuff like that's awesome yeah it, it ebbs and flows right I mean at that point yeah I mean the southern scuffle was very like in its infancy you know like the south beach duels didn't exist but you know competition is a, is a good thing right that it forces you know everybody to, to raise their game right hey you have to put on a better event like if you want to attract you know the teams, the spectators, you know, everybody's attention. So mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, Coach Terrapelli, it's been great to have you. We always sign off. Well, not always, but most of the time we sign off with this question. How did wrestling change your life? I'd love to hear you talk about just like the most important lessons that you think wrestling teaches. The most important wrestling lessons that wrestling teaches. Um, I think it definitely teaches like, uh, like goal setting, like, like thinking like long-term, right? um wrestling is not a like immediate like gratification right um talk to people all the time when you do like camps or clinics or even other guys really but like 
there's really no like secret moves, right? It's not like, hey, I'm going to show you this move and like that's going to do it, right? You know, that's all you need and, you know, you'll be successful in this sport. It's like, no, like you really have to, you know, become, you know, a student of your craft and you have to always be looking, you know, to improve, to get better. I mean, even, I mean, for me, you know, at this stage, you know, my competitive years are no long behind me, but like I'm still like, you know, learning things, you know, and new ways to do things and, you know, better ways to explain things. You know, like why, you know, it works, you know, better that way. Um, so it's it's neat in that sense. I, I appreciate that. And I also appreciate that. Uh, I know it sounds corny, but, the you know, kind of wrestling is is for everybody type of thing. Like, I really believe it's one of the, you know, quote unquote, kind of like fairest sports. Like, you know, anybody can partake. Like, you don't have to be, you know, massive. Right? You don't have to be this incredibly, you know, strong person. You have to be incredibly fast. Right. Take what, you know, what you have you know, and find avenues, find creative ways, you know, to win. Mm-hmm. And it's, you just see it every year. I mean, the, everybody doesn't look the same, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, the 10 national champions, like look exactly the same. Like, no, they all usually look like very different, you yeah. know, and, and their, their route to that, you know, point is like, is very different as well. And I don't know, I just really, as someone who wasn't a, an incredibly gifted uh, athlete, like, I really appreciate that. Um, because yeah, I mean, there's, there was no way you know, I was ever going to be, you know, an NFL football player or an NBA basketball player. It's just like, no, like there's just, just barriers to entry in those sports. And I like that, uh, that wrestling has very, you know, minimum you know, barriers to entry. Yeah. I mean, even look at guys like Anthony Robles, like yeah. anyone can win. It's uh, that's amazing about it. I haven't heard that one in a while. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, thanks for coming on. It's been fun. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to this episode with Alex Terrapelli. This episode was presented by Spartan Combat. Go to SpartanCombat.com to place your custom team apparel order for this upcoming season. Thank you to our fan of the week, Kyle Burzak from Peoria IL. And if you enjoyed this episode, folks, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast if you're listening on Spotify. That's it, and we'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!